Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, leading people into the Christ-centered life. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 5 today. If you've got a Bible, you can meet me there. Galatians 5. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew right in front of you. It's page 1171 in that Bible. We've been in a series the last number of weeks called Another Helper, Getting to Know the Holy Spirit, and talking about uh, that most mysterious part of the Trinity. The Father uh, is pretty easy to understand. The Son is maybe even easier to understand. But the Spirit can sometimes be a bit more difficult to understand. The Holy Spirit doesn't always get uh, all of the... uh, attention that the Father and the Son do. And so we wanted to take some time to, to explore this and to take some time to say, what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit and, and how can we get to know him better through this process? And so we're reading through the book of Acts as a church. We're on a reading plan. And uh, if you didn't get a reading plan, it's in the bulletin every week what the upcoming readings are. And it's in our Friday update. And we're just trying to see what does a spirit-filled church look like because that's what the book of Acts is about. Uh, and I've told you there is a Pentecostal inside of me in spite of the fact that I've been a Mennonite brother in church, and so it was time to let him out a little bit, and it was time to do some Holy Spirit stuff and take some time to get to know him better, because the Holy Spirit is not an it. Uh, It's not an impersonal force. It is a him who is fully God, and we desperately need him. A little while ago, I got Sarah one of these. Do you know what these are? It's called an arrow garden. I got it for her as a present, and uh, this is a fancy one. I got a way cheaper one than this one, but... This is the gist of it, and it's called the Arrow Garden, and you can get them on Amazon and Walmart and different places, and the idea is it's a way of growing things that is idiot-proof, and as a well-established idiot, this is good for me, because I have a tendency to murder things that I try to grow in the ground, and so the idea is this sits on your kitchen counter, and it has uh, little pods that are sort of self-contained. There's seeds in them. There's very rich soil in them. There's plant food and nutrients in them, and you just stick them into this machine, and there's a light, and it's supposed to turn into that huge thing on the right, which I have not seen yet, Uh, but we've had it going for a couple of weeks, and uh, so it's really the idea is that when the conditions are right, things will grow pretty easily. Uh, and so when you put something here and the water is controlled and the sunlight is controlled and everything, just it's idiot proof. Things will just grow and we will see if I can find a way to get around that. But as we're growing these things, actually two of our pods, we have three pods in there and one's dill and one's parsley and two of them are doing great and one of them is not growing at all. So I might have found a way to blow this where you literally have to do nothing except plug it in and turn on a light. So these things are there and again, the premise is, is that if the conditions are right, things naturally want to grow, right? Seed wants to grow. Fruit wants to grow. Vegetables want to grow. So the idea behind this is we'll make all the conditions perfect because when the conditions are perfect, things will naturally want to grow. And I just want that in the back of our heads as we go through what we're talking about today, as we've been talking about what does it mean to be spirit-filled? And we've talked a little bit about who he is and how he helps us. The Bible says that, uh, that Jesus told us that I will send you another helper. Someone's going to come and help make life easier for you, actually. Make this Christian walk easier because divine power is about to come alongside you in a new way when the Spirit comes. And we've talked about being led by the Spirit, and we've talked about various aspects of the Spirit. And today we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. And the premise that I want you thinking of is that idea that fruit wants to grow. When the conditions are right, fruit naturally will grow. 
And so as we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, the Bible says that there are these, these things that God wants to develop in our life, like love and like joy and like peace, and calls these things fruit. And you might know people who are full of those types of things. And when I look at my life and I look at people that I've encountered along the way, I have found that the people who are the most Spirit-filled people I know really do have these things in abundance in their lives. And it's not because they're working hard at them, but it's because fruit naturally wants to grow if we will let it. And so I told the story a few weeks ago of my parents who, uh, who were always wonderful my whole life. They got saved and came to Jesus just before I was born. And they were always great parents. And, and I don't want to paint them as, as, you know, bad people who went through this transformation into good people. They were always good people. And they loved Jesus and they loved us and they pointed us towards Jesus. And yet when I was in high school, uh, they began to really seek after being spirit-filled in a new way. And not that they didn't know anything about that before, but there was this moving of the Spirit happening in the mid-90s, and, and our church was affected by it at the time that we were attending. And so they began to really seek this and say, we want to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want to be full to overflowing of the Holy Spirit. And they came up for prayer all the time, and they, they went to prayer meetings, and they just kind of threw themselves into this. And I was not saved at this point in my life, but I saw the change in them, and it was noticeable. It was profound. Just the, the idea that, wow, my parents, I mean, they always loved us, but they are, they are really loving now, right? My mom is, is more peaceful than she was before. My dad laughs a lot more than he used to. And I saw this transformation in them as they were filled with the Spirit. And I told you that as a cynical, unsaved teenager who did not want to be going to church at all, it was one of the first times in my life where I went, maybe this Jesus thing is real. Maybe there's something to this. Because I saw the transformation that was happening in them as they walked with God. I've told you the story of a lady at our first church. And to meet her, she was just the happiest, warmest, bubbliest person you've ever met in your life. She just radiated love and joy. And she was just so happy to see you all the time. And she just hugged everybody. Even strangers would walk into the church and they'd be like, why is this lady hugging me? She just loved everybody and was just genuinely happy and joyful. And then she would tell her story and it would be, she would say, you know, well, like six years ago I was alcoholic, suicidal, you know, suicide attempts, depressed. Um, like it was just shocking. Like you would not have, have thought a change that profound could happen so quickly. But she sought the filling of the Holy Spirit. She went after it in her life and she was transformed as she did that. There was a couple at our church in Sudbury and they were an elderly couple and they were the same. They always were greeters at the door and they just radiated this warmth and love. And to hear their stories, again, of alcoholism and, and spousal abuse, and, you know, he tells the story of his teenage son pointing a shotgun at his head because he was drunk and violent, and then to see them now and go, these are just the, the happiest, loveliest people you've ever met. And they really went after this filling of the Spirit. And so let's talk about what the fruit is. Let's see what the Bible has to say about that. We're in Galatians chapter 5. Let's talk about how it develops in our lives. So we are in chapter 5, starting in verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So the fruit of the Spirit, and there's a list given. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. And where, the way this is often taught, and I will confess I have, I have taught it this way in the past, is these are a list of character qualities that God is wanting to develop in us. And if you look at that list, there's probably a couple of those that you go, I'm doing okay in that area. There's probably a few of those where you go, I don't necessarily do so well in that area, right? I could work on my patience. I don't walk in peace all the time. And so look at that list, figure out what you're good at, figure out what you're bad at, and if you're bad at it, work on it and make it better. I've taught that in this passage before. I regret that I taught that in this passage before because I think it misses the point. It's so easy to turn this into a to-do list, right? Uh, an inventory. Uh, take stock of where you're at and the things that you're not good at. Like, and that's not always good, right? Like, uh, you don't have a lot of peace, so work harder and get more peace, right? Like, that doesn't always naturally flow into what we're trying to develop. And so, so easy, this becomes kind of a character inventory, and we can feel like, well, I, I'm doing okay on the joy side, but, oh man, I don't know how much, how much gentleness I have. I'm kind of blunt and abrasive, actually. And it can become like a, a guilt thing, almost, of you're doing good at this, but you're failing at this. And, and if it's not a guilt thing, it can become a work thing, right? Work harder to make this happen. But if I plant uh, an apple seed in the ground... I can't make that tree grow. I can't make that fruit come. Fruit on its own wants to grow. There's a passage in Mark where Jesus talks about this and says, you know, you you might sow the seed, but you can't make anything grow. All by itself, it grows. It develops on its own. It brings a harvest, and then you have to go harvest, but you can't make things grow. I can't make these qualities come in my life. I can't do that any more than I can make fruit grow on a tree. I'm not God. And at the same time, as we keep that in mind, as we go through this, it's not that I have nothing to do with it, right? Because we can partner with the growing process. We can be a part of it. We can't make anything grow, but we can pull the weeds out and we can prune and we can help the conditions be right to make things grow. Like we can do all of those things. And so it's not that we have no part in it, but I just, I want to get away as we go through this, this idea that we can work at this and, and make it better all by ourselves because I can't make fruit grow. Fruit naturally grows on its own when the conditions are right. As Paul's writing here, he's talking about the flesh and the spirit. And these are phrases that show up often throughout the New Testament. And the struggle between flesh and spirit. And Pastor Mesh touched on this when he was preaching a few weeks ago. And when you see the flesh, that phrase the flesh, it shows up throughout the New Testament. The flesh. Uh, It's not just talking literally about our flesh, meaning our skin or our bodies. That's part of it. But whenever the Bible talks about the flesh, it's talking about uh, our, our natural sinful, selfish self. It's talking about, and that's, our body's included in that because our body likes to sin. But it's talking about just our, our natural self and its natural tendency towards sin. 
Uh, we are born this way. We are born separate from God. We are born with this desire to, to do, not even because we're actively rebelling against God, but our flesh just likes to do what feels good for itself. Uh, and so our flesh, anytime the Bible talks about it, it's just talking about our, our sinfulness, our selfishness. And even as we have been set free from our sin and forgiven from our sin, we also know at the same time there's this tension that we are forgiven and set free, and yet not all sin has left us instantly, right? We're not perfect yet. And so we are in this struggle, this tug of war that I believe will last our whole lives between our flesh, which you know doesn't want to do what God wants it to do, which wants to do selfish things, which wants to do what feels good for it. And then on the other side, the spirit of Christ who lives within us, who wants what is good and who wants what is holy and who wants what is pure and who wants us to sacrifice and who wants us to do the right thing. And there's this tension all the time between the flesh that is us and the spirit that is within us. There is this struggle that scripture speaks of. And Paul says the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, I won't read them all. Uh, but there's a bunch of things on there, and you maybe see yourself in a few things on there. I also think that probably shouldn't be considered an exclusive list where you go, hey, I don't have a thing on there myself. Uh, the list, I'm sure, could go on and on and on and on and on, right? Paul just had to stop writing at some point. So the acts of the flesh are obvious. Like, this is our, our default, this is naturally where, where our sinfulness always wants to go. We want to lean back into these types of things and maybe other things that aren't on this list. There are things there that are just natural, right? We don't have to work hard at being jealous. Jealousy can just be there, right? We don't need to work hard at lust. Like, lust just rises up. Like, our flesh wants to go back into this. Uh, this is our default. These acts are obvious, Paul says. They're easy for us. They're not hard. Everything that is selfish within us, everything that we still struggle against, and, and everything, the root that goes out from there. And, and sometimes that's, I don't want to do it God's way, and it's an active kind of rebellious thing. And sometimes I think it's not even that, it's just my flesh likes what it likes, and it's just going to go do what it likes. It's going to do what's natural and easy. So the acts of the flesh are obvious, they come easily, they, they are always right there if we're not careful, and we are in this struggle throughout our lives with our flesh constantly trying to pull us back into the old ways and the old patterns and the old things that we used to do, and maybe the things that we continue to struggle with. When Jesus was praying in the garden, uh, just before he goes to the cross, he's, he's overwhelmed with sorrow, Scripture says, and he grabs three of his friends, and he says, just pray with me. Just stay up and pray with me. And they can't. They fall asleep uh, because they're exhausted. And Jesus comes back, and it's like, man, of all the times to fall asleep, guys, seriously? I'm heading to the cross tomorrow. I just wanted somebody to pray with me, and you couldn't even stay up. And he says the famous phrase, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that is just such a perfect picture of our struggle, right? Like we want to do. Paul talks about this in Romans. I want to do what's right all the time. I don't want to sin anymore. And yet there's this war going on inside me. There's this battle in between the flesh and the spirit in my body. I don't want to sin anymore. I only want to do what's right. And yet that flesh keeps pulling me back. Right? He describes the struggle that, that all of us have, that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And this is the struggle that we go through. In our passage today, in verse 24, Paul writes, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And, and although that's written in the past tense, we understand it as a work in progress. It's not that anyone has done this perfectly yet. 
But it's interesting. I just, I love that he uses that phrase crucified, and he's obviously tying back to Jesus and the cross. And we are in Lent now uh, as a church. We're not doing anything formally for Lent. Last year we were fasting, remember? Because we hadn't met Mesh yet, even a year ago. And we were fasting for our new pastor to, came and to come, and God brought him to us in an awesome way. Uh, so we were fasting as a church last Lent, and we didn't want to make it like a religious thing where we do it just to do it. So if you want to give up something for Lent, you should. And Sarah and I are, are doing a couple of things, but we're not doing anything formally this year. But the idea of Lent is it is the period of, of 40 days before we celebrate Easter and, and Good Friday. And in that time, to take some time to really reflect on the cross and reflect on what was done for us and the price that was paid and how Jesus did that for us. And so we have this period ahead of Good Friday where traditionally the church is reflecting on Good Friday and thinking about all that was done for us and the price that Jesus paid. And Paul ties this back into our sinfulness. Those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh. No one's done that perfectly, and it's not a finished job yet. But that is the process that we are going through. And, and crucifixion, if you know anything about it, was not a quick and easy death. Right? That's part of what makes what Jesus did so incredible, that he actually suffered so much for us. Right? Because Jesus could have been just decapitated. That could have been it, right? Because blood would have been shed and the, the altar would have been appeased and everything could have been fine. The atonement could have been done. And yet Jesus suffers for us. He goes through this process. And in the history of the world, there's never been a more agonizing way to execute someone than crucifixion. It took hours. Sometimes it took days. Sometimes it could take a week or two. As you hung there and as you slowly suffocated and slowly got dehydrated and slowly bled out and slowly went into shock, there were all these horrible things that were involved in crucifixion. It was a long, painful, minute-by-minute death. And Paul says, that's what crucifying your flesh is like. There were certain things in my life when I came to Jesus that left me instantly. Certain sins went away, and I've never even thought about them since then. And I don't understand why that is the way with some, way, some sins and not others. But there are other things that are still daily, a daily struggle, a daily temptation. And if I let that go too far, I will get pulled back into it again. And so when Paul says, you know, getting that stuff out of your life, it's like a crucifixion. I mean, that's quite a word picture. Saying that it's not easy. It is a day-by-day, step-by-step, sometimes minute-by-minute process. It is long and it is difficult. It's not easy always to get our favorite sins out of our life. When they talk to anyone who's going through AA or any kind of recovery program, they often say to them, you don't need to beat alcoholism forever. You just need to beat it today. Just focus on today. It's just too overwhelming to think of a lifetime of sobriety when when that's pulling on you so hard. So it's just between now and when I put my head down, I just need to get through today. And then when I wake up tomorrow, I just need to get through today. And when I wake up the next day, I just need to get through today. Right? Sometimes getting the sin out of our lives, it's like a crucifixion. It is just a long, laborious, painful process. And yet the Holy Spirit within us is calling us to holiness because holy is part of his name. He wants the sin gone, and he understands the struggle. But in contrast to all of those selfish, sinful things that we naturally get pulled to in our flesh— the Bible says that God wants to bring this fruit out on the, on the opposite side, right? The list could not be more different when you put them side by side, right? Drunkenness, jealousy, anger, dissension, 
Love, joy, peace, patience. God wants to bring this stuff forward in our lives. And I have learned that when the fruit starts to come, it actually starts to push out the flesh. It can push these things out easier when we're walking in these things more and more. So there's these list of things that God wants to develop. And it's interesting that, you know, the Bible calls this the fruit of the Spirit. If you look at your Bible, it's not fruits, plural. It's often taught as these are the nine fruits that you need to work hard on in your life. And the Bible says, no, fruit. These are all the singular fruit. When you walk in the Spirit, all of these things will start to come if you are willing to, to let that fruit grow. Because the fruit wants to grow. Fruit naturally wants to grow. When we were in Sudbury, uh, we had a big yard that backed onto a conservation area. So it was beautiful. I miss it a lot, actually. We live in a subdivision now. It's very different. And so we had no one behind us, and there was just rocks and hills and trees and forest. And, uh, and so some of those uh, plants and things that live there sometimes would kind of cross the fence and start to grow in our yard. And so one year, we had a little strawberry patch grow up, just wild strawberries. And uh, such memories of Kaylee at like one year old realizing that fruit grows in the ground. <laughs> there's, just, there's fruit outside? What? Seriously? Just pulling things off. And so we had this little strawberry patch and we thought, oh, that's kind of fun. We, we'll, we want to, let's try and keep this going. And so we, uh, we cleared a little place for it and we kept the weeds away from it and we weren't sure anything, we didn't know anything about strawberries, but uh, Sudbury winters are long and hard. And so, you know, in like October, the frost hits and it gets to minus 20 and that stays till like May. And and so we didn't know if anything would grow ever again. But sure enough, as May started to melt and as, as June came, our strawberry patch came back again. And it grew again because fruit wants to grow on its own when the conditions are right. And so same thing. We kept an eye on it that second summer and we weeded and we made sure that it was protected as best we could. And then winter came and everything died. And then when summer came again, this isn't exactly the picture, but it's the right idea. The patch just exploded. Like, that's all strawberries up there. And so from our one little thing, they were, it was everywhere. It was in the lawn. Like, it just had spread on its own. And I don't know how strawberries work, but the seeds were spreading, obviously. And again, on its own, just by itself, fruit wanted to grow. Fruit wanted to spread. And these things that God talks about developing, like, they, they are trying to happen in our lives. This fruit is trying to grow in our lives on its own. And just like these, you know, it, it, it wants to multiply and it wants to get bigger. It, it just wants to on its own. We didn't have to help it do that a whole lot. It did that pretty much all by itself. And so why do these things not grow then? We have love and, and joy. We, why am I not more patient then? Urgh, I want to be more patient right now. Um, get it? Like, why do these things not grow easier? And I think part of it is we don't ask, for one. James says you don't have because you don't ask, right? And I've told you before, that's a really, it'd be really bad to get to heaven and say you could have had more, you just didn't ask for it, right? Let's ask for everything because who knows what God wants to do. So sometimes we just don't ask. Sometimes we let our sin overcome it. And I think these are like weeds. If I choose that other list consistently, then the weeds are going to grow and choke out the fruit in my life. And that's just so easy to let happen, that uh, as sin creeps in and I don't deal with it, that it's going to get in the way of the fruit that naturally is trying to grow and wants to grow. Sometimes I think I actively rip the fruit out of the ground. If God is trying to develop patience in me and I am impatient and I just can't wait, it's like I'm just ripping it right out. 
right? If God is trying to develop peace in me and I choose anger instead, it's like I'm ripping fruit out of the ground. If God's trying to develop gentleness in me and I choose bluntness and harshness, you know, in the name of truth, then it's like I'm ripping the fruit out of the ground. It's not that the fruit's not growing, but I'm just not allowing it to actually thrive because I'm, I'm choosing the other side. When we choose that other list, it's hard, I think, sometimes for the fruit to grow. And the best way that this fruit grows is just by staying connected, by communing with God. Jesus would say this in John chapter 15. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I think that last part, why else does the fruit not grow? Well, because we don't connect to the vine. We don't connect with Jesus. We don't connect with the Holy Spirit, right? We don't seek that filling. And so the fruit of the Spirit will grow as we are filled with the Spirit. And if we are not seeking to be filled with the Spirit, I think it's a lot harder for that fruit to grow. But if we will stay connected to God, connected to the vine, that fruit will come just like fruit connected to a vine will come. But if we're not communing and connecting and and being refilled and spending time in prayer and spending time in the word and all of those things, if we're not connecting to God, if we're not connecting to the source of the fruit, then it's like if I just pulled that strawberry bush out of the ground and set it on the table and said, where's your fruit? Right? Like it needs to stay connected. It needs to to be wired in. It needs to have that. You know, if we want the life of God to come, we have to stay connected to the source of life. It's going to look a little differently for everybody, but we've been talking throughout the series about being filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled, be continually filled. So how? How are we filled with the Spirit? And there are the obvious things. We're filled by the Spirit when we spend time in prayer. We're filled by the Spirit when we spend time in the Word. When we spend time at church and in fellowship with other believers, that can be filling. But it's also sometimes it's just actively seeking that filling. It's spending time in prayer and just praying, Lord, fill me up. Like, actually actively seeking it. Pentecostals are great at the altar call, right? Come on forward, and we're going to pray for you to be filled with the Spirit today at your growth group. Let's pray to be filled with the Spirit. Let's ask for it. If you don't have because you don't ask, then why don't we start asking? Be filled with the Spirit. There is that. And then there are places in our lives where we, just as individuals, just feel close to God. And it's a bit different for everyone. We did a series last year called Spiritual Pathways. And it talked about, although there's one way to Jesus, we all feel close to Jesus in different ways. And it's different for different people. And so for some people, they feel really close to God uh, when they're acting in justice, when they're fighting for a cause, when they're fighting for the oppressed or the poor or the lost, and people like that tend to be drawn to things like the youth hub and things like that. Like, we feel really fired up. It's good for our soul. We feel filled up and on fire when we're working for a cause of justice. For some people, it's worship. There's something about being in musical worship where you just say, I feel the presence of God. I feel refreshed. I feel renewed in in that musical time. Some of us are contemplative, and these are people who feel close to God when they're by themselves. They just need some time for reflection, uh, to meditate, to kind of roll over things in their heads, and as they do that, they will feel that God speaks to them, and God renews them, and God refreshes them. On the flip side of that, some of us are wired more relationally, and we feel close to God really when we're with people. And so we need to be in a growth group or a Bible study. Like, we need to to grow with people and not try to do it by ourselves so much. Some of us on the intellectual pathway, we feel close to God through study. Uh, And so this is one of mine. And my office is covered with books, just books everywhere, and I'm writing my sermon, and there's 87 books open, and I'm in heaven in that moment. It's the best thing ever. Some people walk in and say, that's my nightmare right there. 
But some people, it's study and through learning and through growing and the light bulbs of revelation going off. They just feel close to God in that way. For some people, they feel close to God in creation just by being out in nature, uh, seeing God, you know, through spending time with him in the forest or at the beach or in the mountains or whatever. Something about being in creation is good for the soul. That was the psalmist who just saw God everywhere. I see you in the stars and, and I see your glory in the heavens and I see your majesty in creation. And for some people, it's serving. It is through the act of giving to others, and and they just feel alive when they do that. And this is not an exclusive list, but we hit on these as some of the main ones. And the point being, the overall point being that we all feel close to God in different ways. It's not the same for every single person. I love musical worship. Some of you can't wait for the worship part to get over so that we can get to the Word on a Sunday morning, right? We're not all wired exactly the same. But the, the premise of that series that we kept saying over and over again is however you feel close to God, on this list or anywhere else, however you feel close to God, unapologetically go do that in your life. Make time for that in your life. Carve it out and protect it. And go to that place because you are getting filled with the Spirit when you're in that place. That is where you are connecting with God. And it's that connection with God that's going to make the fruit come. Because Jesus said, apart from that connection, you can't bear any fruit on your own. And so connect to the vine. Connect to the source. Because the fruit of the Spirit wants to be growing in your life. And naturally is desiring to grow in your life. And will grow in our lives if we are willing to let it. If we are willing to to make room for it and stay connected and pull the weeds of our sin out and let the Spirit do what he wants to do. The fruit will come naturally. It's not going to be a list of tasks that we have to work at to be more loving or more gentle or more patient. That will naturally start to come in our lives as we connect with God and as we let that fruit grow. We have an email address here at Meadowbrook, questions at meadowbrook.ca, and it is just where you, if you want to keep talking about the sermon, if you have questions about anything, if you want to grab a coffee to talk about it more, we are happy to do that. And so if you have any questions, you can send them there to questions at meadowbrook.ca. It's a constant struggle. We're in the flesh and the spirit. Uh, We're going to take a Sunday just to talk about sin and how the Holy Spirit helps us to overcome our sin and set us free from our sin. But this is the struggle that we're in. The good news is is that as the Spirit moves more and more, the flesh does get tamped down more and more. As the fruit of the Spirit starts to grow, it does start to push out some of that stuff. As the fruit of the Spirit starts to develop, it makes it easier to not choose sin more and more. So there's such advantage to letting the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do in our lives. The more we choose him, the easier it is for the flesh to know its place. And it all starts with this. We've been saying this throughout the series. It starts with this prayer, just the simple prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Develop your fruit in me, Holy Spirit. Help me to avoid the acts of the flesh, Holy Spirit. Let your fruit push that stuff out so that I can walk before you purely and in a holy way that's pleasing to you. Fill me. Come, Holy Spirit. It's such a simple prayer, but it's a prayer we need to be praying. We're going to spend some time in worship, and then we're going to wrap up. I'll ask you to stand with me, please, and we'll close in a few minutes. Thank you, Jesus. We rejoice in what you have done for us, Lord. Not that we have done this on our own, but you have done this for us because you are great and because you are God. And we thank you for everything that you have done. And as we reflect on your your word today and as we go about our week, Lord, help us, help us because you are stronger 
to put these things to death in our lives that pull us away from you, to put these things to death, which are not godly, but are fleshy and that are selfish. And Father, as we connect with you, let the fruit grow in abundance. Let the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the gentleness, the faithfulness and the self-control, let it come in abundance in our life because fruit wants to grow. So Holy Spirit, come and fill us up. Transform us from the inside out. Let sin leave as your glory comes and make us more righteous and more holy like you are. Thank you that we don't do this by ourselves, but Father, you've sent a helper to come and do this in us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Make sure to congratulate the parents and the babies on your way out today. Thanks for being here today. We will see you next Sunday.